We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is December 4th, 2023. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, joined by my co-host Luke Sylvia. Luke, we are officially in the Christmas season. What is going on, man? How are you? Well, first, Jonathan, I want to apologize first and foremost to my fans. Um, there's no shirt tonight. I mean, there is a shirt tonight. I apologize that there is. It's not my fault. You can you can blame a back to back, a scheduled loss, if you will, for the reason that I do have a shirt on tonight. Moving forward, once the team is on a five-game winning streak or more, if it happens again this season, sure it comes off. All right? So those that want it, talk to the team about it. Tell them you need a five-game winning streak so that you can see uh, old Luke take a shirt off because that'll happen. But um, So that era, that, that, that moment has passed now, and I, I send my condolences to you that, that I'm not shirtless on this episode. That being You're said, up. Jonathan... No, you're really embracing the 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 nipple thing. Like you're... I just, I feel like I need a thing. You know what I mean? I I th- I think I need okay. a thing right now. It wasn't going to be a thing. All right, I, it was going to be a one and done. I came back the next episode, ironically to the episode called Streaking, and I had my shirt back on, and people were like, "Hey, where's that?" So the next one, I came through, and said, "I'm going to wear this until we lose," and we lost. So unfortunate. But uh, I'm embracing it, you know? I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, more power to you. I, I was you. I was contemplating it. Had we got to 10, I was, I was really I'll thinking about it. up. But unfortunately, you shirtless. know, yeah, we, uh, we didn't get there. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about the, the streak in, in general, really. Uh, but a couple of things before we start talking uh, Magic Basketball. Next episode of The Six Fan Show is going to be filmed uh, next Friday. December 11th, when the Magic play the Cleveland Cavaliers at home. Our next watch party is going to be December 15th, when the Magic play in Boston. That night, we'll be at Castaway Sports Bar and Grill, 504 North Alafaya Trail. Watch party is going to start about 7.30, tip-offs at 8 o'clock that night. Make sure that you come out and uh, hang out with us. It's going to be a good time, and 
uh, hopefully uh, we can beat the Celtics again. Luke, Cole Anthony was on uh, the low post on Zach Lowe's podcast the other day. And Zach Lowe asked him, like, why is it that you guys just play so well against Boston? And Cole Anthony just said, Eddie House. That is the reason why he says, forever, it will be personal when we play Boston. And Luke, I personally love that. You have to. You have to because that's the that's the petty stuff that like we as fans can only usually dream about where it's like I wish our players were as petty as us and they would get fired up when we get a win because of whatever it is, right? Fill in the blank. In this instance, I'm glad we share the same thing. And I figured that was the case because after last year when we beat them for the third time, all the players started tweeting out Rafer just slapping Eddie House in the back of the head. And I was like, wow, they are as petty as we are. And then for Cole Anthony to double down and be like, this is right. <laughs> Your people are correct. He was like, it's it's true. It's it's all Eddie House's fault. You can't call us trash, is it basically what he said, and get away with it. And that's what they're doing every single time. So I am very happy for December 15th and 17th. See if this team can yet again upset Eddie House. And maybe we get another iconic reply from Eddie House. Maybe we we poke the bear on the 15th or the 17th after the wins. Maybe after the 17th, we wait till we win again. And we're like, hey, Eddie, just add him on, on, on X. And I'm sure he remembers us because he sure remembered to tweet at us earlier. That's what I was. That's where I was going. Like I feel involved now. Like we're yeah. in this. We're in this mm-hmm. with the boys. It's it's the Orlando Magic and the Six Man Show versus Eddie House <laughs> and like the entire fan base. Which like this is as close as we've ever been to being a part of the team. So yeah, exactly. They've got beef with Eddie. We've got beef with Eddie, and it's it's a He's great got time. Beef and, with us and the yeah, team. It's fantastic. It I really love is it. beautiful. I love sports. Yeah, it's awesome. It's just really really <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, if you didn't uh, listen to that episode of The Low Post with Cole Anthony, go ahead and check that out. And uh, this week, there was a great episode of The Pod Squad with Jalen Suggs. If you haven't listened to that, go check that out as well. Um, just want to talk a moment about the the Duvin event that happened last Friday, so or last Thursday, rather. We've been talking about the the Duvin launch that was happening this past week. They're like Pinstripes in Paradise you know, collab is what I think the official name was. And uh, yeah, I got the chance to to go to the the, the launch party uh, last week, and down there at the the yard at Ivanhoe, I had never been down there. Really, really nice spot, like restaurants and, and bars and everything like that area, little pockets to hang out. And this year, what they did last year is they came out and they handed everyone like a little ticket that had like a menu on it, and you could say, "I want this item, this size, and this is how many of that I want." And it was it worked pretty well. But just like the the scale was so much bigger this year. Like when I got there last year, I got there about 40 minutes before the event started and there were maybe 50 people in the parking lot. I got there about 30 minutes before the event and there were probably like 120 plus people already waiting. So this year was just a QR code. Like you scan the QR code, you punch in your order, you pay for it on your phone and then you get a text message when it's ready. So just wanted to again say thanks to Duvin for the drop. Like getting this kind of gear for magic fans, I think was just really, really awesome. And then a big thank you to Garrett and the entire team at Duvin for allowing us to be a part of it and just congratulate them on an awesome launch. And if you were lucky enough to, to get a, a piece of, of this drop, you know how quality all of the you know materials are and everything like that. And yeah, I don't know if they completely sold out uh, Friday at the game. 
if they didn't, I would guess that there might still be some items available at the team shop, but you'll have to go to the, the team shop to, to find that. Okay, Luke, let's talk about the state of the magic. This week, your Orlando Magic went 2-1 and one with two wins over Washington and then the blowout loss on Saturday to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they currently sit second in the Eastern Conference Eastern Conference with a record of 14 and 6. The winning streak ended at 9 games, which ties for the franchise record with the 2010-2011 streak, the streak in 2001 and in 1994. Look, I wanted to take a moment and just sort of talk about the streak for a, a couple of minutes here. Although we everybody wanted the Magic to get to 10, right, to set the new franchise record. And sure, we're going to talk about the Brooklyn loss and just the, the team did not play well. That loss really, really sucked. People were really looking forward to breaking the record and witnessing the Magic do that. But I just want to congratulate the team on like really just playing their butts off the last, what is it, two and a half weeks, I think it was, leading mm-hmm. up to the loss in Brooklyn. I cannot remember other than like the you know finals and, and playoff runs. I cannot really remember a more front, fun stretch of the regular season than that nine game win streak. Like even going back to 2019, like finishing 22 and nine was a lot of fun. You had a few, you know, smaller win streaks in there, but winning nine games in a row, especially against the the caliber opponents that you did with the expectations nationally going into the season for the Magic, I'll never forget this win streak. It was just so much fun and credit to the guys. They played really, really well. And now you have a chance to go start another one. I will forever look back at this run obviously but the the games i'm going to really look back on are that's as the stretch that we had against the pacers you're going in number one offense at the time against number one defense you win that game toronto it's always just good to beat toronto they're a decent team then you go and you beat denver you beat boston that was just such a incredibly fun four game stretch and even going back to like the end season tournament game on that Friday against the Bulls. Like there was a, just a ton of really notable fun one games before that with Paolo game winner. I mean, of course, like you can find full something, of awesome moments. You can find something from each of these games that makes it memorable. And I think that's what makes it so special, right? Maybe not the Washington games. Cause you know, um, but man, we got an iconic dunk and an iconic Orlando magic photo from that first so wizards game. Maybe that is true. Maybe you can find something memorable in every single game. And then I the last one matched the franchise record. So it's like every single one of those games was mm-hmm. incredible. And the other thing to note too, I know that we're, I'm talking to magic fans, probably 99.9% magic fans right now. Who this is a safe space. Understand this, but being clowned on social media has never felt so good to me. Like we're winning and they're so mad. Like they, everybody that is an NBA fan is just so mad. And like you said, the switch up was crazy going from the kind of the darling young team in the NBA. One of them where people are like, wow, look at the magic. They're doing their thing. And then it's like, wait, wait, wait. you guys just did a complete 180. lasted five minutes. You guys did a complete 180. All of a sudden we're overrated and we're only beating bad teams. And it's like, do you not understand why this has only happened? Like that nine game win streak has only happened three other times in franchise history. All of those teams, by the way, making the postseason, one specifically making the NBA finals. 
Do you not understand that? It is hard to win games in the NBA. You got teams every night losing to teams they have no business losing to in this league. And it's really because of the talent level, obviously. like These guys are all talented players. It only takes one player on the other team going off, even on a bad team, to beat a team they had no business beating. This, this is not normal to win nine games in a row. It's not normal. Even if you are elite, right? So the, the, the NBA, the, the Magic team that made the finals with Dwight Howard didn't even do this. Right, like, uh, it, it, like they, you don't think they had stretches against bad teams, like the Magic did, because in this stretch, yes, you played teams like Chicago who had been struggling, you played teams like Charlotte and Washington as well, but teams always do that. This is normal that you can look at your schedule and be like, these are easy parts of your schedule. It's not our fault that we just happen to win all of them, and then go on to beat teams like Denver and Boston or the Pacers, the best offense in the league. Like, it Without is not normal. starters for the entire streak, by the way. And that's what people love to also leave out. None of this was normal in the slightest. This team should be nothing but proud of themselves. We should be nothing but proud of them, regardless of how it ended. It ended very bitterly. But guess what, guys? We're, all, we're, we're not even a, a fourth of the way through the season. We're almost there. This team is going to have a lot of fun stretches throughout this year. I know that. They're going to have games against stretches against teams that we have quote unquote no business beating, which eventually that's going to shift. But you're just going to continue doing that. And this team is going to become more and more fun. I'm so proud of them. And hopefully, and I think this will be the case, you join those other teams that had that nine game win streak you're making the postseason. I think that's the appropriate response to the loss and now the the streak ending. Like, yes, we're, I mean, we're going to talk about this. Right. There are signs of concern. There are things to be, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit, maybe not worried, but again, to be concerned about. But the Magic are also getting ready to practice the, the next two days. They haven't had much practice time throughout this streak. A lot of those games on the road broken up by the holiday as well. So they haven't had a ton of practice time recently. And, you know, teams around the league have adjusted a little bit to, you know, the the Magic's defensive strategy as well. So this is going to give them time to fine-tune the defense a little bit. But we'll we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But just wanted to give a couple of minutes and like speak and give attention specifically to the streak because, you know, one of the four best streaks in Magic history. And you just absolutely have to talk about that and give credit where credit is due because this team was just like incredibly locked in for, like I said, you know, two and a half weeks, whatever it was close to three weeks, I think. And they're still a long, I don't think we're going to get another nine game win streak here. I, you know, that's just wouldn't be reasonable to expect out of any team, mm-hmm. but you're 20 games in now you're 14 and six we're we're going to be just fine. Just get some things back on track and get back to winning basketball games. And let's not all, you know, get hung up about the first loss that we've had in almost three weeks. That'd be a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Going back to the state of the magic uh, again, second in the Eastern conference right now, they're tied uh, with Milwaukee record wise. They're one and a half games up on Philadelphia and New York, three games up on Indiana, Miami and Cleveland. 
The Magic are now 14th in the, in the NBA on the season in offensive rating with a rating of 113.7. They're fourth in the NBA in defensive rating with a rating of 109.3. And they're now seventh in net rating with a net rating of 4.4. Looking at the injury report, uh, Markel Fultz has missed the last 12 games with left knee tendonitis. Wendell Carter Jr. has missed the last 15 games with a fractured third metacarpal in his left hand. I had the cast off early last week. Goes back to the doctor in about a week or so. We should get another update on Wendell as he continues to work back, uh, getting back into the lineup with the Magic here. And then Jonathan Isaac um, messed up the ankle. What was that? Wednesday. Uh, missed the game on Friday. Yeah. Or no, came, came back on Friday. Came back on Friday. So no, he injured the ankle um against Boston came back in against Boston re-aggravated the the I, I forget when he re-aggravated it now that's eluding me but he came back on Friday played six minutes 49 seconds re-aggravated it was available to play on Saturday but did not play after the game uh Jason Beatty from the Orlando Sentinel asked him about you know why J.I. was available and wasn't able to play he said I think J.I. will be okay it's going to continue to be monitored as we go along just to make sure we're doing the right thing by him and our organization. So seems like the trainers said J.I. could play. He was you know, made available to play. And somebody, I don't know if it was Jamal or someone else, made the decision that Jonathan just wasn't going to play in this game. And I, I like result aside, I can't really say that whoever made that decision that I really blame them because he's not 100% and ready to go. Why risk it? We've seen him at 100% this year playing really, really well. If he's at risk at all, you know, to re-aggravate that, especially, you know, traveling and everything like that, I'm okay erring on the side of caution with J.I. Do you think if the Magic aren't getting throttled in that first quarter that J.I. plays in this game? I I really, I don't think so. Just because, just because you're getting throttled in the first quarter, like we've seen J.I. come in like, you know, midway through the second, play a few minutes or, you know, not play the entire third and start the fourth. So like just because he goes an entire quarter without playing and, you know, like you said, the Magic were getting just absolutely freaking worked. Shout out Mikhail Bridges. I, I don't think so. Like because this team is absolutely capable coming back from a 21 point deficit, especially against Brooklyn, which I know we're going to talk about that game. I still feel like we're a better team than Brooklyn, which is makes the last two games against them incredibly frustrating. But to answer your question, no, I don't think that had anything to do with it. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like that, that answer is weird to me. For him to just be saying, you know, I don't know what what Jason Beatty's exact verbiage was on the question, but the answer just to go straight into. Jay, I think J.I. is going to be okay or whatever mostly said. It's like, hold on. Why did, so why was he available? Fair question. What changed? Because maybe they they, they said he was available and then trainers right before tip were like, "Mm, yeah, he's available, but not really. Or yeah, he's available, maybe not smart. I, that's why I ask you about like the deficit at the end of the first. You lose by what twenty one points in that first quarter. That's not super common <laughs> to, 
expected to be down 21 after one, maybe after a half or what, a quarter and a half. But that's why I'm like, I'm just racking my brain trying to understand. I'm going to go with the most realistic option, which is that the trainers, they said he was available. And then right before getting pregame work in, they were like, oh, maybe not. So whatever. I, I don't know. Kind of weird, but just added to the oddness of the, what the night would become. Well, they're going to have a couple of days off here. So if he was available Saturday, you know, didn't play, they're going to get a couple of practices in. They'll play on Wednesday. So I would assume that you know, he'll be good for that, but you just never know. So we're going to have to wait and see what goes on with that. But that was you know, a little bit weird there. So let's go back. I know we've you know just talked so much about this Brooklyn game already, but going back to the game on Friday against the Wizards, Second game, you know, playing them in, in three nights. Again, you were going into this game, trying to beat the same team twice in a row. Always difficult. Trying to match the franchise record for longest win streak. Not a great start uh, for the Magic. They gave up uh, what ended up being, well, what was at the time, <laughs> what was at the time, uh, the most points that they've given up in the first quarter all season, which was 36 points. Wizards hit seven of their first nine threes in this game. Magic had nine first half turnovers, trailed by three at the half. Orlando did a great job getting to the line 14 times in the third quarter, converting on 11 of them. Also forced Washington into seven turnovers to take a three-point lead uh, heading into the fourth. And then Franz Wagner helped spark a 7 to nothing run in the middle of the fourth quarter for the Magic to give them the lead for good, Luke. And then the Magic win 130-125. to 125. Wasn't really pretty. This game was pretty frustrating uh, for me to watch, especially defensively, because David Sullivan talked about this on the broadcast. He said, it feels like if the Magic can just put three to four stops in a row together, they can really take it like advantage of this game and, and close it out, which is exactly what happened midway through the fourth quarter when the Magic go on that 7 nothing run, give themselves just enough space to end up closing this game out. But to me... That's how the Magic were playing. Like They realized at any time we can flip this switch, get a few stops, and end this game. And trying to conserve a little bit of energy, knowing that they were going to have to go into Brooklyn the next night with the back-to-back. But to me, as this game went on, Washington just looked more and more confident. Like, hey, we can hang with these guys. We're still in this game. We might be able to steal one on the road. And that is just not a mentality that I think the Magic should be approaching any opponent with. And it got a little bit more concerning as the game went on. And now when you look at this game, you look at the first Wizards game, you look at the game against the Hornets, and then you look at Saturday's game against the Nets, it's like, okay, there seems to be a little bit of a trend building here with the Magic sort of sliding defensively the last week or so. Uh, But Magic at the W... Again, beat another team two straight games like they did Washington. Always hard to do. And they matched, again, the franchise record uh, longest win streak. My my mom and dad went to this game, Jonathan. As I told y'all in our group chat, they go to this game. And uh, I get a text from my dad. Uh, maybe it was the end of, the, end of the, the first quarter, maybe. The Wizards win that one, that quarter by five. Give up 36 points to the Wizards in the first quarter, which is unacceptable. My dad texts me and he says, hey, who taught these guys how to shoot between this game and last game? And I was like, I couldn't tell you. But uh, then he was asking me about Kyle Kuzma and, you know, hey, who is that guy? And, he, you know, he Kuzma, 
he's going to do his thing. He's he's definitely that guy on a on a bad team that's going to stuff the stat sheet as we've seen. But it just it was it was an irritating game. Thankfully, the Magic end up shooting fifty one percent from the and from the field in this one, because the Nets do end up, you know, shooting. Uh, or I mean, the the Wizards end up shooting fifty percent, almost fifty one. But the Wizards kind of mirrored the Magic in this game in terms of what they were doing, because in this one, they don't uh, they shoot twenty eight threes, which is kind of also the Magic's calling card. It's like, hey, we're we're not going to shoot that many threes, right? They get to the paint. They score 54 in the paint, which isn't bad, but the Magic end up scoring 60. You shoot the same amount of, of, of field goals. You both shoot 89. Like I said, you're both low in three-point volume. The Magic don't shoot bad from three. They just don't shoot 46% from three like the Wizards do. But, yeah, this game all around is frustrating. Like you said, it, it feels like they could flip the switch whenever they wanted. There's multiple times in this game where, you know, you could feel maybe a little bit on edge because of where the game was at, but it just never felt that way, much like the game before against the Wizards. Paolo Bancaro in this one offensively was a monster. 28 points, 7 assists, 2 turnovers, and 13 rebounds. 3 of them, 3 of which being the offensive rebounds. He played awesome in this one. You, you you have to mention him. Franz Wagner gets to the free throw line and shoots 14 of them. He goes 12 of 14 from the line. Defensively, yes, this team had been showing signs of slipping. They absolutely do that. You give up 125 to the Wizards. You pull it out. That's what good teams do. They 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 pull it out there at the end. So, yeah, I mean, it's it is what it is. This game kind of feels a little bit like a throwaway the magic win by five and whatever, but you still get really fun offensive performances from our guys. Yeah. I think, you know, some people were, you know, sort of talking about this game after the game. It was like, Oh, well, you know, that's just what's going to happen with the wizards. Like they're, they're going to score a lot of points. Cause like, that's what they try to do. But like we go back to that Pacers game, like they were the number one offensive team in the, in the league going into that game and you got up for it. Yeah, like you, you got up for it. That's exactly my point. You know, mm-hmm. Charlotte, Washington, two games in a row, and then you're you're going into Brooklyn. I know it's the second night of a back to back, but I genuinely believe that this team is good enough that we don't need to and we should not be making excuses for them playing poorly. I don't care that it's the second night of a back to back. I genuinely don't. In my opinion, my standard for this team is raised. Best teams in the league go out. Doesn't matter if it's second night of a back-to-back, last game of a, a long road trip, or anything like that. You have a chance to go out and make franchise history, do something that this team has never been able to do before against a team that just about three weeks ago kicked your you-know-what, embarrassed you, ended up knocking you out of the in-season tournament, essentially, because of the point differential that you came away with in that game. And... I, we're not. I, I keep saying we're not going to talk about the Brooklyn game, but we keep mentioning it. And you just didn't really get up for it. And I'm just at the point now where like this team is good enough that like the the excuses that we've made for Magic teams in the past. Oh, they're young. Oh, they're learning how to win. Oh, it's the second night of a back to back. Oh, it's this team. Oh, it's that team. I'm I'm personally done with that. 
And that might be a bit harsher or too critical, but that's coming from a place where like, I just really think this team is, is way better than a, a team that we should be making excuses for. I, uh, I agree to an extent. Unfortunately, in that game against Washington, Palo logs like 38 minutes and plays his butt off offensively. And then you come into that Nets game and it's, you know, I, 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 I whose get, fault is it that Palo had to play 38 minutes? Uh, the teams for it being close. Right. Exactly. It, to which take, I get. Take care of business against teams that you should take care of business on. It just doesn't take away from the fact that like, that's what happened. So going into that Brooklyn game, like we can be frustrated about the the performance against Washington, honest, like for both occasions, honestly. But when it comes to that Brooklyn game, at that point, what's happened has happened, and it is the facts. Like Palo played thirty eight minutes the night before, gets on a jet, goes and plays, and and Brooklyn stinks. I think matchup wise, the Nets do pose some problems. Obviously, they're they're two and zero against us. And it stinks that that what it boils down to is it really does suck that to break the franchise record comes on a back to back. Eventually, you're going to run into that. You had a pretty cushy home stand there, obviously, but then you uh, you had to make it happen, and it just it, 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 the team ran out of gas. We're going to talk about that game, but first we're going to talk about uh, the jam of the week presented by Jam Hot Chicken. So we talked about the the Wizards, uh, you know, the win on Friday. But let's go back to Wednesday night versus the Wizards with 6:45 to go in the fourth quarter. Jalen Suggs, you can see him just waiting for Landry Shamit to try to make the pass, baits him into making the pass, jumps the passing lane like a free safety, drives the length of the floor. He sees Cole Anthony coming out of the the corner of his eye, throws the underhand lob to Cole and the jam while Jalen runs to the baseline, recreating the iconic Dwayne Wade to LeBron James uh, dunk photo from their days uh, with the Miami Heat. That puts the Magic up 21 points, and then Jalen Suggs proceeds to hype up the crowd. That photo goes viral all over social media. Dwayne Wayne sees it, you know, respect Kings or whatever he commented on that. Just goes all across the league, followed by more Jalen Suggs hate. People can't believe that he would do the iconic Dwayne Wade pose. But that, again, part of this nine-game winning streak immediately becomes an iconic photo in Orlando Magic history. And it was really, really fun just to see the entire league react to that play. And it was it was awesome. That game was, what, our seventh in a row, I believe? Eighth. Was early. It was our eighth? Okay. Um, th- I I don't think this, this jam of the week exists if the Magic aren't streaking, feeling themselves... To make that happen. I don't think this happens if you know you lose the night before you're like a 500 basketball team. This doesn't happen. But this is the type of fun stuff you get and content you get when your team is balling. And these guys were doing just that. They still are, if I'm being quite honest. They, they, they still are doing their thing. Impressing everybody. Shout out Jalen Suggs for that. Cole Anthony didn't even know it happened. And I didn't know what happened until we saw the replay. Like I obviously saw pretty much what Cole saw. Jalen throws it, runs over, starts pumping up the crowd, doing his thing. And then you get to watch the replay and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, don't hold on. Hold on a second. What did he just do? 
and then you're looking like right you're looking at angles and you're like all right what who which photographer could have possibly gotten that i hope someone got it and then we find out that someone got it incredible photo man jam hot chicken jam of the week and just to continue talking about jam hot chicken jam hot chicken they're proudly serving the city beautiful with jams culture and hot chicken nashville and la inspired hot chicken i've had it once guys once i'm still dreaming about it go to jamhotchickenfl.com to place an order ahead of time that's the move as i've talked about the last couple times we've spoken about jam hot chicken located at 400 west new england avenue suite 13 in hannibal square if you are an out of town or coming to orlando before you dm us which is completely fine before you dm us and you're like hey can i get recommendations for Orlando, understand that reply is always going to have jam hot chicken in that. That's what you should do when you come to Orlando before the game. It's the perfect spot to go do that. It's a nice outside setup. Check out jam hot chicken. Tell them that, that we sent you. Luke, obviously we talked about the jam of the week. If Paolo Bancaro's dunk on mm-hmm. Dayron Sharp mm-hmm. in the Brooklyn Nets game Yep. ignites the team to like a comeback win yep. franchise you know record setting night mm-hmm. does that become our jam of the week i feel like it would just like like it's the context i think yeah. in, in this case yeah well of course because let's be honest the the sugs to to call oop is the jam of the week largely due in part to it being the recreation of d wade and braun with palo the dunk was better, if I'm being honest. I mean, we all know that. That's no secret. The poster was better. But yes, if if this team, if they were leading at the time... Doesn't hit the same down 25. It doesn't. It doesn't. And also, uh, I'll go there, I guess. Paolo's just talking his talk after that dunk. And I was so irritated seeing people comment and be like, scoreboard... Blah, blah, blah. Why is he talking? They're down 25. And it's like, he's just chirping, man. He, he just sent the dunked man to all the graveyard. It doesn't, it doesn't make it, it doesn't change the fact that the dude got just obliterated at the rim. Let him talk. He's a rookie of the year. He's averaging 20 points a game. He's incredible. Let him do what he wants. Incredible dunk by Palo. Give him his flowers for that. Absolutely. It's reigning Eastern Conference player of the month right there. He can do whatever the hell he wants. That's right. Let's take a quick mi- uh, moment to give a quick shout out uh, to our wonderful patrons, the folks that help make each and every episode possible. If you're interested at all in supporting the podcast, if you're a new listener and you know, you're appreciating the content that we put out, and you're so excited about what this team is doing and you want to be a part of the community and, and help further our mission of growing the fan base and you know putting on awesome events and so on and so forth, you want to be a part of what we're doing, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show where we have multiple tiers at different levels, which you can join. If you decide to go the annual level and just pay for the entire year right off the bat, you get a pretty hefty discount as well on that. So again, find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. And we give a special shout out to our Hall of Fame and elite tier patrons on each and every episode. I'm going to go ahead and start as usual with our boys, the court cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, normal magic player history, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Donkey Punch Dave, Paolo and Francis Warmth, 
Pierre A. Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Dan Mult, Dodo 15, Bobby Skinner, Godi 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Kayla Pete, Cannibalism, Ty, Mr. TV, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95, Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Rican, Shahin 177, Obi the Don, Himlo Ben Himro, RM Prof 221, Ray Pastrana, Spanking Season Soft Taco, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Eddie House's Burner, very nice, Maria, Keith Wallace, Fritz, Currency Kev, Bruv Sal, Kaysen Green, Santi Leon, Kane Eckler, The Distract, Ahmad Timsa, and Chansu. A big thanks to all of our patrons again. Find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, this one, we've been talking about this game the entire uh, pod already, Luke, but let's <laughs> actually talk about this Nets game from Saturday night. First of all, Anthony Black Ponytail, second game in a row. Uh, we saw in the, I think it was the media day, like all access, Jamal Mosley was telling Anthony Black that at some point during the year, mm-hmm. you're going to have to rock the ponytail. So we saw that Friday night. It was like, oh man, look, Anthony Black, that's what his ears look like, rocking the, the ponytail there. And then, Went back to it Saturday night. So two straight games, Anthony Black rocking the ponytail. I, I got to say, I'm digging the ponytail look for Anthony Black. The only thing I'm not digging is changing your hairstyle during a win streak. But fair point is what it is. Um, I don't I, I don't hate it. Like you said, I thought I thought your 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 post was really great. <laughs> talking about, oh, that's what his ears look like. I was like, I guess that's right. We haven't seen the man's ears. There we go. So, yeah, that's uh, I I don't hate it. 
I don't hate it at all. Keep getting wins. I won't hate it ever. Well, what I hated is that this is the second straight game that you give up yet again another season high uh, points in the, the first quarter there. I think it was 42 points in the first quarter in this one, Luke, if I'm not mistaken. 43 points, 43. even better for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Mikhail Brooklyn Bridges had 26 of those in the first quarter. Magic scored 22. So Mikhail Bridges outscored the entire Magic roster in that first quarter. And you trail by 21 after one. Uh, the Orlando Magic shot 30% in the first half. The Nets shot 50%. And Orlando trailed by 22 at the half. Magic go on a big run in the third quarter. They shoot 63%, scoring 34 points in the third. Uh, they cut the lead to nine with 3.09 to go in the third. And they trail by 13 heading into the fourth. Magic go on another little run. They cut the lead to 10 with 11 minutes, 12 seconds to go. And you feel like the Magic are, are really just starting to, you know, once you get to 10, if you can get it to single digits, you felt like the Magic could make this a ball game. But they got the lead to 10 and then just simply ran out of gas. Over the next 11 minutes, uh, Brooklyn outscored the Magic 38-13 to to close the game. And the Magic ended up losing this game 129-101. to this was just a game like right out of the gates. The Magic just never had a chance with the way that they were defending, weren't really taking care of the basketball early on. The way that Mikhail Bridges was shooting the basketball, the just out, absolutely outrageous whistle that Mikhail Bridges got, especially to start this game. He had eight uh, free throw attempts in the first half, in the first quarter, rather, 18 for the game. When I say that you could not breathe on this kid, Without him getting a whistle, it's an absolute fact. The officiating was horrendous in this game. However, it was not the reason that the Magic lost. Uh, the Magic shot 27 free throws to Brooklyn's 31, and the Magic only made one less free throw than Brooklyn. So it was not the reason. But like in the first half, Mikhail Bridges had like three or four straight possessions where on transition uh, opportunities was just left wide open in the corner, hit a couple of threes. I think got another layup off that as well. It was just like an incredibly frustrating first half and the magic just dug themselves a, a hole that was way too deep and could never get all the way out of it. If you want to see something that's very frustrating, go to the shot chart, wherever you look at your NBA stats and game stats and Go ahead and toggle that from saying all quarters to first quarter. Because if you do that, you will see that the Magic missed way more shots in the paint than they made in that first quarter. And it was the tone was set early, early, early. Goga misses a layup. Goga misses an alley-oop. You can't tell me that the start of this game doesn't feel doesn't change the trajectory of the rest of it and the trajectory obviously of that first quarter where you end up getting beat 43 to 22 like i said goga misses those first two shots and just something inside of me was like i don't like this start at all and it really doesn't feel like this is going to go well and the the funny part was you still were like getting stops like uh, you know until like the 10 minute 30 mark that the score was like three to two. You still were getting stops on the other end early, but you weren't converting and capitalizing on the stops you were getting. So 
Tone gets set early. That really was the difference maker for me. And to your point about referees, you know this. I never, ever will say that the team lost because of free throws, and I'm not going to do it in this game. You can blame a ref. You can blame the refereeing if it screws you on the final play of the game or down the final stretch of the game. But you cannot do it when you lose by almost 30. <laughs> like I will yes. say they mm-hmm. helped Mikhail get into one crazy rhythm. You are very fortunate in this one that Bridges doesn't drop 50, that he only gets a 42. And I think that he definitely drops 50 if it's not a blowout. <laughs> but um, yeah, frustrating. But due largely to the fact that you just could not get anything going in the first half, first quarter. You end up losing every quarter but the third quarter. And every time the Magic did something, the Nets did something even better, right? When it comes to runs and whatever, you punch Brooklyn in the mouth in that third quarter, and then you lay an egg and you score 16 in the fourth. You're not going to win any game in which you score 22 in the first and 16 in the fourth. I don't care how well you play in that second or third quarter. 99% of the time, you lose that game. You look all out of sorts. I don't know if it's the case, but it feels like Brooklyn has our number. Again, wish this wasn't the second night of a back-to-back so we really could get, you know, make a fair assessment in in regard to that. But Brooklyn's got a lot of guys that are going to score. And they they can do it well. They can get hot. I think that they, I don't know if this checks out. This could just be the eye test. feels like they have a ton of streaky type of players. Cam Thomas can get going in an instant, he goes, he's awful in this game. Seven of 23, 20 points on 23 shots. Not good, but there's shots that camp Thomas makes. And I'm like, how is he able to make that shot? It doesn't make sense. A lot of their offense is very weird, very wonky. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but a lot of ISO ball in Brooklyn. And uh, it's it's a frustrating loss. You lose this one by 30. It snaps the streak. Is what it is, man, but definitely frustrating. I don't think this guy is good, but against the Magic, I am terrified of Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. Feels like every time that dude pulls up, it's going in. And he, he is the definition of streaky, at least against the yep. Magic. He might not be hitting them. He makes one or two in a row. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, that dude's got 11 points in this quarter now. And he's mm-hmm. just torching the magic. Yeah. So they've got Cam. They've got Spencer Dinwiddie. they got Mikhail Bridges. He, Even yeah. like Dennis Smith had a couple of moments in this game. Like the Savage comment after the game was like really, really corny, I, I felt like. Of course. And, you know, Dan Savage apparently is, uh, <laughs> is now, you know, filing copyright infringement uh, on Dennis Smith Jr., but yeah, to your point, like they just have guys that get really hot really quickly. And also your assessment about Dinwiddie being streaky and also getting hot, absolutely valid. For his career, he's a 41% from the field. So streaky, absolutely. He's 33% from three. And he's streaky because he can get super hot, but then he definitely can cool off for large stretches of games. And that's why he's a 41% from the field shooter. 
for his career. So that checks out. But against the Magic, maybe he's just, you know, he's got it out for him. Maybe a Magic killer. But I don't even know if that really checks out as far as stats. But we can find out. Uh, he's just played so many games against the Magic. And in, in general, obviously, he's been in the league for a long time. 13.5 points, 4.5 assists, 3 rebounds. But it does feel like, yeah, largely he dropped 22. He dropped 29 the other time. Two times before that, he dropped 29. He's got a lot of 20-plus 20 point, 20 point games for a guy that's not a 20-point game per year score. So he just gets up for the magic. Really, really appreciate that, Spencer. Thanks for doing Sweet us time. a solid, man. Yeah. Look, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about you know the 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 trend that we're seeing, uh, you know, defensively because like a, a game or two, like whatever, but like a week straight, and you're you're trending in a direction. The last four games, Luke, across the league, the Magic are eighth in offensive rating, which for the the year, I believe we have them at. 14th in offensive rate. Yeah, 14th in offensive rating in the NBA. Luke, the last four games, the Magic, who are fourth in defensive rating for the NBA, last four games are 23rd in defensive rating. Playing so far underneath their their standard, it's ridiculous. And I talked about this at the top, but I don't know if it's teams just sort of adjusting to what the Magic are doing. Um but it, it, it does feel like the last few games, like the effort on that end just simply isn't there. I don't know if it's, oh, hey, we're a young team and now we figured out the offense and the offense is really rolling so we don't have to play that hard on that end. But last four games, eighth in offensive rating, you would think that we're blowing teams out. And, and that's just really not been the case. Like you're barely beat Washington. It was you know closer than it should have been late against Charlotte. And then you just get absolutely smoked by the Nets. This Magic team, I'm not hitting the panic button by any means, but they just need to get in the gym and figure out how to get back on track defensively. JJ Reddick said something recently in regard to, I believe it was the Magic. I think it was, yeah. Talking about the defensive effort. This was before kind of the slide starts to happen, but it was defensively, but it is during the win streak. And he says they've got a great defense. But at some point, you're going to have to address the offense and shooting and spacing. He said, and and to do that, you're going to have to bring guys, shooters, more shooters on the roster. And with that, you're going to sacrifice defense. And I don't, so it doesn't totally correlate, obviously, between what he was saying specifically. But the point was, like, to add offense, you're going to have to take away from your defense. And I do think that is a lot to do with the fact that these guys are just getting out and running, maybe feeling themselves falling in love with their jumper and not really caring as much defensively because they think we can keep ourselves in the game or win the game with our offensive performance. And that takes maybe way less effort, right? You don't have to maybe kill yourselves on both sides of the ball, only one. And I think that's what we're seeing. And I think that is a lot of times the reason why maybe these shooters are not great known to be great defenders because they know their identity is shooting the basketball not playing defense and i i am a little concerned that that's where this team would head if a guy like jamal mosley wasn't at the helm you get a few days off jamal is going to remind them who they are hey you're a defensive-minded team you're a young team i don't want to depend and when you're younger you absolutely have 
more propensity to be a streaky player, shooter, offensively. You're just young. You don't have as many reps, obviously. You don't know your game as well as you will future years down the road. Easy to fall in love with that jumper. Get away from your defense because you think your offense can win you games now. And it's like, can their offense win them games? Yes, we saw it happen against Washington, right? We see it happen against Charlotte. Like we, We've seen it, that they their offense can win them games. But to me, it's like, imagine if you put it together on both sides of the ball at the same time. You might not be where you have been on this stretch offensively in terms of offensive rating, but you're still giving yourself a much better shot if you're attempting well and equally on both sides of the ball. We'll see what they do, how they adjust, what they look like come Wednesday. I'm hopeful. I think you've got a great opportunity to just lock down on Wednesday uh, against Cleveland. But, man, I you you desperately need to, to lock in defensively because you're not going to be able to depend on your jumper as a young team long term. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So right now, Cleveland is 23rd in the league in terms of offensive rating, and they are 8th in the league in defensive rating. So offense for the Magic, I think, is you know on the year has been a little bit ahead of where you know Cleveland has been, but Cleveland's been really solid defensively. I, I fully expect the Magic to just get in the gym Monday, Tuesday. They're practicing both of those days. Uh, that's what the, the Magic schedule uh, says currently, at least. And just get that locked back in, figure it out. Like, you're a young team. Sometimes the defense is going to slip. And another thing that I, I don't really think we should underrate is how hard it is to continue that level of play for, you know, what whatever it was, you know, two and a half weeks for the Magic. And once you get past, you know, five, six games in a row, you're on every team's radar. Like every team knows that you're coming in hot. You're going to get their, you know, their best shot night in and night out. And I think there there is a, a level to that. Like playing at that level, like sustaining winning for that long, 
That's why you don't see long win streaks happen very often in the NBA. Because no matter how talented you are, it's incredibly difficult to keep up that level of play. So lock it back in. And the reason, Luke, that it's it's so important to do that, we'll talk about this in a little bit, is because the schedule starting now until the end of January, the next two months, the schedule is absolutely brutal. Talk about that in a little bit more in just a, a few minutes here, Luke. There's a conversation that you and I have sort of been like, you know, circling the drain on, like we have talked about it a little bit, but we also felt like maybe it was too soon. But I feel like now it still might be too soon, but it's been long enough that I think it is, it's appropriate to have the conversation when it comes to talking about Markel Fulton, talking about Wendell Carter Jr. Markel now has missed the last 12 games. Wendell has missed the last 15 games. Markel played like one game in the middle of that where he missed a few games before that. So both of these guys, for the most part, have missed like the last, you know, 14, 15 games. And the Magic have been playing really, really good basketball in that time since those guys have been out. So people, I mean, really from the first couple of games when Anthony Black started knocking down corner threes, people were saying, hey, look at Anthony Black. Maybe we don't need Markel Fultz. Maybe we're better without Markel Fultz. Maybe we're better without Wendell Carter Jr., and I think that we should take a look at that, Luke. So before we get into the conversation, uh, first of all, shout out to zero one two three on Twitter because he uh, really helped with some of these stats and was sort of the the inspiration of of some of the the numbers that I've looked at the last twelve games. So looking at uh, touches, time of possession, usage percentage for individual players, uh, looking at the starting lineups, offensive rating, and the the team's offensive rating. Looking at that with Markel Fultz and without Markel Fultz, because I, I think we would both agree, and most people would agree, that the absence of Markel Fultz has a much bigger impact on the team's offense than the absent, absence of just you know Wendell Carter alone would. So I think it's it's probably best to look at it through that that lens. So the first thing with Markel Fultz, uh, talking about Paolo Bancaro's touches per game. They were 54.3 in games with Markel Fultz. In the last 12 games without Markel, Paolo is up to 71.9. So almost you know, 20 more touches per game Paolo is averaging without Markel Fultz. His time of possession per game almost doubling, and his usage rate has gone from 21.8 to 26.1. So fairly significant. Uh, Franz Wagner's uh, touches, time of possession, and, and usage percentage are all relatively around where they were with Markel in the lineup. Um, obviously, Jalen Suggs is seeing a much bigger you know, role offensively. So his touches have gone from 33.5 to 37.4. Time of possession per game has gone from 1.3 to 2.4, and his usage percentage has gone from 17.8 up to 20. Now, Goga and Anthony Black, relatively limited roles offensively. That's just sort of the way that this lineup has been designed. But Luke, this is the last thing that I, I want to touch on here. The starters offensive rating with Markel Fultz was 105.4. The team's offensive rating in games that uh, Markel has played in 107.1. The last 12 games, so it was 105 and 107. The last 12 games, the starters offensive rating is 111.6 and the team's offensive rating is 116.5. So the, the offense is seemingly much more efficient these last 12 games without Markel Fultz. What is your takeaways 
from just the hodgepodge of numbers that I just threw out there? It raises a lot of really good questions, a lot of hard questions when it comes to this team. And, and what does it look like when Fultz comes back? Wendell, I'm not worried about him coming back, like in terms of it you know, affecting one way or another. But you can't ignore the numbers that you just said. There's, you just, you're not able to. And I, it's unfortunate, but this is a large sample size as far as comparatively in terms of when Markell's out. Cause wait, I think he only played the first what, five games, something like that. And then from there on out, Palo with almost 72 touches, whereas in a smaller sample size at 54. So you can't ignore it. And it's really just from a, a points output perspective. Palo Bancaro, you know, 20 points per game in those games since Markel left, basically. 16 when he was there. You could argue some of that is, you know, maybe efficiency too. Palo just found his groove offensively, but it's like what led to him finding his groove. He simply had the ball in his hands more. Allows him to find his groove. Palo, we know Eastern Conference player of the week. Like, Palo Bancaro has been awesome. And that's what you have to address. I think when Markel Fultz comes back, I think you have to basically put him in an Anthony Black role. As far as, hey, welcome back. Your role's changing. You can start, but you're not going to have your the hand the ball in your hands as much. It's tough because right now Anthony Black, you can tell him basically sit in the corner and hit a corner three. He's not incredible at shooting threes. Twenty nine percent. He's respectable, I think, in the corner. He especially was earlier. He definitely has cooled off a little bit. But you've got to tell, like, it, it's got to be different. I don't know if Markel Fultz is really capable uh, of of doing that. And, and I don't know as far as attitude goes. I would expect Fultz. I, I would like to think that he would maintain positive attitude about it. But if Markel Fultz has the confidence that I'm, I can beat the guy as far as running the offense, you, you might have problems. He's an unrestricted free agent this summer. If he doesn't like it, he can walk. Because, it, to be honest, I want this from Palo way more than I want Fultz just to get his piece of the pie offensively. So it's crazy. It, 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 and if you're a Markel Fultz truther, just know Jonathan and I are also the same. <laughs> like, we agree. But unfortunately, there comes a point where there's too many cooks in the kitchen who need the ball. We need a point guard that doesn't really need the ball. And if he is, he's assisting. Marco Fultz has got great vision, but I I just don't know. I don't like he's never had over six assists. We've talked about this before. I've, this, that's kind of the benchmark for me. I want our point guard to be a guy that can get six assists per game in a perfect world where the Magic are hanging banners, right? That's what I want. I don't want a point guard at this point that's going to score the ball or needs the ball. He's a guy that's going to initiate the offense, kind of get out of the picture and is cool with laying low 
hitting an open three when the ball comes to him. That's all I want. I don't know if Markel Fultz can do that. So I it is unfortunate. I I really would love to see Markel Fultz on this team long term. But let's face it, there's a reason he's an unrestricted free agent and the Magic didn't pull the trigger on anything. They know, right? And I hope that they, I know they're looking at these numbers. I know they're looking at these numbers as far as the analytics and everything of what we just went over. They've got to be looking at it. I know they're always analyzing. It's part of the game. You have to. I would be very shocked if Markel Fultz's role doesn't look different when he comes back. Early in the season, you know, the Magic were hanging around like 25th in offensive rating. Mm-hmm. Last 12 games, the Magic are 13th in offensive rating with Paolo Bancaro primarily having the ball in his hands, far and away leading the team in touches, you know, just a, a bit higher than Franz in, in terms of overall usage percentage, uh, but also having a, a much higher time of p- possession per game as well. It goes to show you that in a not optimized role, like optimized, like Paolo Bancaro and Franz are just surrounded by shooters and they're not, they're surrounded by essentially non-shooters in Anthony Black and Goga Batadze and Jalen Suggs, who even though has been shooting the ball really well, I don't know that teams totally respect him from behind the arc. So he's not really creating that, you know, gravity and that spacing in that lineup just yet. And still Paolo and Franz are, are just outside of the top 10 in offensive rating the last 12 games, just basically because they are that good, really. Right? Like, and sure, you know, Bench has been playing great as well. Mo Wagner is his, you know, uh, offensive resurgence as of late, and Cole Anthony's been playing really well. I know that's contributed to it as well, but it just goes to show you that a team without Markel Fultz with Paolo Bencaro and Franz Wagner is still capable of being a pretty solid offensive team. And I think I'm sort of where you are with Markel that like I'm not I don't think that this team is better without Markel Fultz or this team is worse worse with Markel Fultz in the lineup. But I do think the evidence shows that the offense is, is better going through Paolo and going through Franz. And I do think Markel can be really good. I don't even want to say in the Anthony Black role because I, I think you can still get more out of Markel than what Anthony Black is giving you. Of course. Do I think Markel can be every bit as good of a cutter as Anthony Black has proven to be? Yes. So if you're giving me, I mean, Anthony Black, you know, 29% from three gives you a bit more three point shooting than Markel, but doesn't really, like, I'm not ready to be like, oh, he, well, he gives you shooting over Markel because, like, neither of them are really giving you shooting. So I'm saying that Markel gives you sort of what Anthony Black does offensively, but with a bit more shot creation. So having another guy that's sort of like a safety valve that you can go to with five or six seconds left, or a guy that we know you can put him in the high pick and roll at the end of games, and he's capable of getting you a high quality shot, I'm I'm perfectly fine if Markel is fine in that role. To your point, he he has to excel off ball. Has to. Easy cuts to the basket. Ha- imperative. That is how this works. Because you are asking whoever this is in said role, you are asking them to basically get out of the way. Because Paolo Bancaro needs the basketball. And we trust him to have it and grow and be our guy. But the only way this happens is if you let him have reps. 
he has to have the basketball. The so only you have to, way you ever hang a banner is if Paolo yeah. gets those reps. You have to. So get out of the way, respectfully, and play off ball. You can bring the ball up the court, but quick pass and you're going to the corner to you know wait for your moment to sink into the whatever defense is being played, find the open spot in the defense, make the right back door cut against a man defense. This has you this can't be negotiable at this point. Is there a world where the the games that we've seen of Markel Fultz just simply there wasn't enough of them? And maybe Paolo finds his groove. The Magic adjusts our offense, and and it's all peachy with Markel Fultz on the court. Absolutely. So it does stink that it was a small sample size to start the year, and that we're having this conversation because of the win streak, because of the numbers. Paolo Bencaro taking off. It wasn't a coincidence. It happens with him getting the more touches. I mean, twenty more touches a game is not a few. <laughs> it's it's a noticeable difference. So I'm hoping. That when Markel comes back, I don't know when that's going to be. Who knows when that's going to be? But the role's got to change. And it's also, weeks go by, Markel Fultz still isn't back. I'm going to start asking questions. <laughs> like, what is going on? Is it is the injury worse than we think? Is the team holding him back, holding him out right now to keep him healthy for potential trade? for a team that just wants to unload cap in the off season. I don't know, but I'm, there's going to be questions that are asked. I'm not anywhere near the, the conspiracy theories just yet with Markel. I'm always (laughs) with conspiracy theories. So that that's fine. But like, I I just think the, the tendonitis, like I've had tendonitis in my shooting arm before and like, it took months to go away. Like I, I couldn't even really lift my arm without feeling just like this burning, like yanking sensation in my bicep. So I, I've dealt with that before. And it, it takes a long time of just like doing absolutely nothing for that to go away. But for a guy that, you know, has had the, the ACL injury, you know, in, in the past, it's a bit more concerning. One thing that I, I think that deserves a bit of attention to is just the way that Jalen Suggs has played the last 12 games. Now he's only played in 11 of the last 12 games. You know, he missed a a game due to injury, but in the last 11 games, Jalen Suggs is averaging 13.8 points per game, shooting 49.1% from the floor, shooting 39% from the three point line and 82% from the free throw line. If we're talking about the type of player that will be able to help optimize Paolo Bencaro and Franz Wagner. That is a better 11-game stretch offensively than I think we will ever see Markel play in the same lineup as Paolo Bencaro and Franz Wagner. Mm-hmm. And that's we're talking about a guy who like we did not expect a lot offensively like coming into this year. And I do think the way that Jalen has been playing, especially in some of these games, getting off to the hot starts that he has, I don't think he would have had those opportunities with Markel in the lineup. So part of me is like, Markel has been in the league for, what is it, six, seven years now, you know, drafted in, you know, what was it, 2017? And 
I mean, how much better is Markel? And and I hate that this is coming across like we're killing Markel Fultz because we know the impact that Markel Fultz has on winning, like mm-hmm. in the right roster construction. But we're talking about a guy who averages eleven point four points per game, uh, shoots forty eight percent from the you know the the or forty seven percent um you know from the the floor for his career, twenty seven percent from behind the arc. And just we we haven't seen like a lot of those like explosive, you know, scoring nights, at least not enough of them to make me feel comfortable. Like, oh, no, we're we're going to take the ball out of Paolo's hands when Markel comes back, because that's been the difference. Paolo's just eaten up those touches uh, since Markel has gone out. Um, I mean, not to beat a dead horse here. I think that the point has come across, but. You, you mentioned Markel Fultz and not seeing enough when it comes to point output to believe that he can be a guy that's going to consistently do that for you. You've already got your two scores, you know? The last thing this team needs is another score anyway, but you need you need guys that are great off ball to optimize Palo and Franz, guys that are great off ball, and you need guys that can shoot the basketball. I think... The offense, because this ties into the other guy we've had out for a while and Wendell Carter Jr. I think the offense takes another leap when Wendell comes back. And with the caveat that Markel Fultz isn't taking away 20 touches for Paolo Bancaro. Like it's been implied would happen if he comes back and that same offense is being ran. Wendell's ability to stretch the floor gives you things Goga doesn't give. Shout out to Gogo for hitting a three with that last game or the game before. I was like, whoa, hey, you haven't taken a three in like 10 games. boy, Step up, knock it down. But Wendell Carter, I'm ready to have him back for that sake, for the sake of that. I don't know what you do. Are you going to run a three center rotation? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't you think can't you should. sit Mo, though. You can't. So Gogo's got to go to the DMP, unfortunately serviceable did great things great rim protector but you've got Wendell coming back and I think offensively gives you a great lift he can still be a rim deterrent might have to have a little bit more attention to detail on the defensive end you can't exactly let your guy blow by you and know that Goga's at the rim anymore but worth it I think in the exchange so a lot of things come in this team's way a lot of adjustments that are going to be made I have full full trust that this that this coaching staff is crunching numbers and understanding how they need to handle it when those guys return. Wendell, I don't know that much will have to change or it won't be a hard change. But as we've noted with Markel Fultz, it's going to be some tough decisions. And if they go back to what they were doing, I will be severely disappointed. So that that's where I'm at. Like, I think the last part of this was just like, what do we expect the magic to do? Which mm-hmm. is, Markel Fultz and Wendell Carter Jr. both get inserted back into the starting lineup. Wendell's role like maybe changes just like a little bit. Like he maybe he doesn't get as many touches as he was before, but he like he wasn't getting a ton. I I do think like the offensive pecking order at this point should be, you know, Paolo Franz, whoever you want to call one A, one B, Paolo getting, you know, most of the touches. Paolo, Franz, Jalen, and then whoever else is in the lineup, those guys are just going to be, you know, 4A and, and 4B. You know, it it, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. No. But I will be incredibly disappointed if we come back and it becomes like the Markel 
offense again. What I will say before we wrap here is how thankful I am that this team is now in the role player picking stage. <laughs> Who do we, we've got the guys who are the perfect complementary pieces. And now you can officially feel like it was pretty concrete after last year, obviously, but now it definitely feels like everything is concrete. We've got our two guys, one, a one B and we're just gonna, we just need to see who complements them best. Start throwing guys in there, signing guys, trading for guys that you think will be great pieces. And you've got evidence that they did that on their last team you know what you're looking for now. You are closing in on the formula and are just going to start troubleshooting who are the final pieces to add to this roster. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Which, by the way, uh, Franz Wagner is going to have a really good chance at you know the, the uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. I'm pulling up uh, stats uh, for the last week here, looking at the Eastern Conference I mean, Franz Wagner up there, you know, 27 points per game, shot 55% from the floor, 58 for, uh, from behind the arc, 6.7 rebounds, 5.3 assists. And they went two and one on the week. You look at other guys, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, deserving guys, you know, Jimmy Butler, Tyrese Maxey, you know, Giannis, and so on and so forth. Franz has a, he's definitely going to get nominated at the very least. And that's going to be what two straight weeks that Franz is uh, nominated for Eastern conference player of the week. And if he doesn't win it, you know, maybe, maybe they give it to him. I, 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 I don't know, probably a little bit unlikely at this point, but yeah, to your point, you have two guys now and it's just about letting them do what they do best, which ultimately is going to be best for this team. And that's sort of where we are now. I know we're going to get, crap for this because there are people that love Markel and I don't think there's anybody that loves Markel more than we do right. but I don't know how you look at the sample size that we've had mm -hmm. while he's been out and then you just completely ignore that when he comes back like something has to change and I expect something will change yeah Luke let's take a look at the week ahead and and really I'm going to call this the the next two months ahead because we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. I mean, we're you know at a, almost a an hour and 15 minutes of recording currently. But looking at this week, so they don't play again until Wednesday. They'll be at Cleveland on Wednesday. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Then you're home on Friday versus the Pistons. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. And then you've got Saturday, Sunday off, and then you're home for the Cavaliers. So you play them twice next week. Luke, adding Cleveland and Detroit, to the schedule here now that the Magic haven't made the in-season tournament. We talked about the middle of December through the end of January like being this gauntlet. Now that you're adding Cleveland you know, to the front of the week here, yes, you get a, a brief reprieve. You should be able to take care of the Pistons. But over the course of, I believe, the next, I think it's 29 games here. I'm going to count this really quickly here. One, two, three, four. It five, is 29 six. for sure. The next 29 games, perfect. Between now and January 29th, there are four games in which you play teams that are not currently in the playoff picture. Two of those game, two of those teams are the Golden State Warriors, who are just outside the playoff picture. And obviously, they're the Golden State Warriors. You're going to play them in Golden State. So I, I don't think that's a, a team that you can just look past. And then Friday, January 26th at Memphis, John Morant will be back and the Memphis Grizzlies will look much different uh, by that point. We They might be in the playoff picture um, 
by that time. So over the next 29 games, Luke, you have four, arguably two games where you're playing against not playoff caliber teams. Yeah, this is this is going to be the season for the Magic. It's got off to a a, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good, man. I okay. so first I want I sincerely want to apologize on me doubling down on 29 games. I was looking at this the other day and I had basically done like as we were texting, if the Magic go 14 and 15 over 29 game span, this is actually going to be um, through the Spurs game. The last game of January. Not I think you had cut off right before that when talking about Dallas. It's 27. So yeah, so you, still you, it's twenty seven freaking games where you're you know mm-hmm. almost every night playing a playoff team, and at that point, you know you you've you've got to go five hundred like close to five hundred. You you can't go five hundred and twenty seven games. Math doesn't math there. So you you got to go whatever thirteen and fourteen or fourteen and thirteen to and but the good news is if you do go five hundred, which let me be clear. I think this team absolutely can go 500. I think they are good enough. They've showed us that. Before the season started, I would have told you this team does not go 500 in a stretch, in the, in the slightest. But knowing what I know now, there's definitely a chance, right? You only so, have 11 home games during that stretch, by the way. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> Thankfully, we've been good at home. But you go 14 and 13, you know, that would put you at 28 wins and 19 losses. Pretty good. I would take it. And that's just basically going 500. Play 500 basketball through the end of January and we're cooking a little bit. You can start then being like, does this team have a realistic chance of 48 wins? 47 wins? I think that they will if you go 500 here because there is a favorable stretch in the last like month and a half, I think there's a there's a pocket there of games where your eyes light up a little bit, and you're like, if the Magic lose ground at any point this season, this is where they pick it back up. So it's not all doom and gloom with this team at all, and uh, we're we've put ourselves thankfully in a great position to weather the storm, have the confidence, have the data to this point of what this team does well and what they don't do well to trust the coaching staff going into this 27-game stretch. How do we approach it? I have full trust that this team is going to do that and the Magic are going to play at least 500 basketball. So if you go you know, 500 basketball you know, through yeah. this 27-game you know, stretch and you end up, what did you say, 28 and 19? Mm-hmm. You'd have 35 games left. So if you roughly you know, go 500 and you win... You know, 17, 17. of those 45 games. wins. That's 45 wins. Like, So you're saying go 500 basically the rest of the season. Yeah. Like you, you go 500 the rest of the season and you're a 45-win team. You're, yeah. It's incredible. You're sitting at 45 and 37. Probably good for give or take like six or seven seed. We will hope it's the sixth. But that's if you play 500 basketball. This team to this point has played like 70 70, like 0.70, win percentage or something crazy right now. Playing with your hair on fire right now. Sky's the limit for this team. But yeah, you, you're literally 70%, uh, 700 win percentage essentially or whatever, 70%. However you say those words out loud, I don't say those out loud a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, listen, man, this, this team 
has a chance to do something incredible to go from the amount of wins you have last season to potentially winning 45 plus games is outlandish. Jamal Mosley wins coach of the year at that point, by the way. So, and I think I would, I would go to assume that your players rack up a lot of awards and maybe all defensive team. Some one of them, maybe two of them, probably one. If the magic are 20 and 19 come, I mean, and I mean that you got the Spurs game, like right after so that, so 29 and 19, basically. Yeah. So you, if you, if you're 29 and 19, the beginning of February, we're talking about Paolo and Franz playing on, in the Sunday game in Indy. Like we're talking about those guys as all-stars at that point. Yeah. And yes, you're absolutely talking about Jamal Mosley, coach of the year, mm-hmm. other guys, you know, all defensive consideration. I want to go through the schedule really quickly just to give people full context so they know that we're like not exaggerating. So it's at Cleveland versus Detroit versus Cleveland at Boston at Boston versus Miami at Milwaukee at Indiana at Washington versus Philadelphia versus the Knicks at Phoenix at Golden State at Sacramento at Denver home for Atlanta home for Minnesota, which is the best team in the West right now at Miami at OKC at the Knicks at Atlanta home for Philadelphia home for Miami home for Cleveland at Memphis home for Phoenix at Dallas. Like there was like a, I think we had like a 17 or like a 12 game street, like stretch last year in December where like we were praying that we would go 500. I think we went like eight and four, nine and three during that stretch. This puts that to shame. This is absolutely brutal scheduling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, nothing else to add to that. And obviously audio wise, it's hard to, really compute maybe every team that he just had just pull up the pull up the the schedule somewhere and look at it yourself through january it is it is rough but then it's not as rough after that so let's just uh yeah, getting all the hard games out of the way if this is the team that you know they've looked like so far to start the season and the team that we all know they can be and the team that we thought they were going to be all off season let's get through that stretch you know if we're sitting at 29 and 19 the beginning of february everybody's going to be really happy about that yeah all right luke let's go ahead and close it out um just a reminder folks the next six fan show is going to be filmed outside of amway uh, next uh, monday uh, the 11th when the magic take on the cleveland cavaliers and our next watch party is coming up uh, december 15th not this coming friday but the following friday at castaway sports bar and grill located at 504 North Alafaya Trail. That game tips off at 8 o'clock. The festivities will kick off around 7.30. Luca, anything else before we put a bow on this one? I think they've heard us talk enough. I'm all right. Fair enough. Magic. Yeah, this is the longest episode we've had in a hot minute. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. That is going to do it for this one. For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You all have been listening to The Six Man Show. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.